And so we're talking this morning about staying the course and uh, being strong right to the end. And my scripture uh, reference we're going to be using is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so I'm going to ask you to just turn there if you would. And uh, we'll read from verse 7. I'm going to read out of the King James Version first. It says this, I have fought a good fight. Say a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This is Apostle Paul speaking right towards the end of his life. And he's making this declaration that he had run his race. He had stayed on the course that God had for his life. And he had fought the good fight. Say it's a good fight. But it is a fight. Amen. Please note, it is a fight. And so he said, but I kept the faith. Now there's an old proverb that many motivational speakers use. And it goes like this. Many aspiring people have taken the time and the effort to climb the ladder of success, only to reach the top and discover that it was leaning against the wrong wall. Amen? You don't want to spend your whole life chasing something, running after something, and then get to the end of your life and realize you ran the wrong race. Look at the person next to you. Say, are you running the right race? And so I want to talk to you this morning about the course. You, you, you can't just run any race, you've got to run your race. Amen? And everyone's race is slightly different, although we're all in the race of life, serving God, being the disciples of Christ, being followers of Christ. We've got to know what course we're on. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 4, uh, in the message translation, listen to what it says. It says, you take over, I'm about to die. My life an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard to the finish, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause or God's praise. So staying the course means keeping the faith. And when we talk about faith, we're not talking about the faith that uh, most believers speak about, you know, that faith that I'm trusting God for something. I'm believing God to meet my need. I'm believing God for healing. I'm believing God for my my marriage partner. I'm believing God for my family. And that faith is legitimate. But I want you to know the faith Paul is talking about is a a world faith. It's, It's the faith that encompasses everything about serving God. That's the faith Paul's talking about. Can you say amen? Because if you follow Paul's life, you'll realize this, is that Paul had this mindset Keeping the faith means that I am eternity-minded. In other words, I always keep my perspective around the fact that I'm not living for myself, I'm living for Jesus. Because indeed, I have died, and the life that I now live, I live by the power of my faith in Jesus Christ. Look at the person next to you, say, how's your faith this morning? All right. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about being eternity minded. In other words, I'm not living to buy my next car. I'm not living to try and get through next week. I'm not, I'm not trying to, my life is not reduced to just getting my needs met and just getting through. My life is on a higher plane because I have a higher calling. What is that calling? It's to make an impact in my life for serving God. Can you say amen this morning? Are you glad you came to church? Sure, that was really positive, but let's, let's work together. Now listen in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, in the Amplified it says this, I have fought the good 
worthy, honorable, and noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept firmly held the faith. I firmly held on to my faith. And so we've got to understand this morning, staying the course means that I don't get caught up in the politics of life. The politics of church life. My heart is to serve the Lord, honor my leaders, honor the vision of the house of God where I serve and do my best, listen, to make a positive impact wherever I am. Bump the person next to you say, it must be you this morning. Staying the course means my focus is on Jesus. My purpose is him. And listen, we know Paul's talking about that because we know Paul had times where he was caught up in the politics. He got into arguments with different people. Go read your Bible. Amen. He struggled with his faith at times where he doubted things. He went through circumstances where he wondered where God was. But listen, in all that, he kept trusting God. He kept believing that his purpose was greater than just what he was going through. And so that pulled him through towards the end of the life where he could make this statement. I fought the good fight. Can you say amen? And I want to encourage you this morning as your pastor. Fight the good fight. Amen? Fight the good fight. Stay the course. Run the race that God has laid out for your life. And we're going to talk about some of these things this morning. And I'm trusting God that it will help you to just firstly stir up the gift in you again. If maybe you've been growing a bit weary in doing good. Maybe it's, it's time just to reevaluate that and make sure that you are still on the right race, the right, the right course. Can you say amen? So we could say it like this based on that old proverb. What? Wall should my ladder be resting against? Let, let's, let's first make sure we are running the right race. We are staying the course and it's the right course we're running. Well, we need to think about the word of God then. How do you know the Bible tells us that people are God's building? Amen? So my ladder needs to be resting against God's building, which is? Come on, church, work with me a little bit. Which is? People. Amen? How you know? God is about people. Can you say amen? God loves people. That's his purpose. That's why he sent Jesus, and that's why he saved you. So we'll say it like this. God's building are people, and people are always his priority. And so we could say this. The wall is salvation, and the building is the kingdom of God. So my life priority is not just about gathering things and getting through life. My purpose is about making a difference in people's lives. Amen? By allowing God to make a difference in my life by serving Him. Are we on the same page this morning? You see, and that means sometimes we may lose some battles, but we've got to make sure we win the war. How many of you have lost some battles in your life? Can we be honest this morning? How many of you have had to face some failure in your life? All of us. But that doesn't define us. Can you say amen? We get up from there. The proverb says this, the righteous man's fall seven times, but God is there to pick them up. Amen? And so we let God pick us up. We learn from that experience and we press forward. Look at the person next to you. Say, I am pressing forward. 
So if the ladder of success is people, then we as a church in this season are applying it in this way as, as, as we move into this discipleship-motivated uh, church. We use it this way. There are four things that we do. Number one, we've got to win. Say win. Remember this last month we looked at the power of winning souls and we saw that from Proverbs, that word winning there is the word attract. We let our lives become attractive. We let our lights shine as we serve Jesus. We've got to win others for Christ. We've got to attract them to the kingdom. And then number two, we've got to consolidate. Say consolidate. I think they've got a slide for that. Consolidate. Say consolidate. What is consolidate? That means we're willing to walk with people in their lives and we don't just get them saved and leave them. We win them to Christ and then we walk with them. Say walk with them. That's right, because how many you know, walking with people is difficult? Because how many you know, people have got issues? Just look at the person next to you and say, lost thy issues. <laughs> Amen? We've all got issues in our lives, but you know what? Thank God for the people in my life that look beyond the issue and they see the potential. Amen? And they, and they look beyond my exterior and they, and they're able to see through that to the interior, God's grace, God's goodness, God's call on my life. And they say, come on, Larry, you're doing fine, but you can do better. Look at the person next to you, say, you can do better. No, say it with a bit of passion, say, you can do better. You know, it's like an exclamation mark, it's better. Yeah, say, say I can do better. I'm going to do better. So consolidate. Number three, we, we then consolidate. In other words, we, we get them grounded. We, we bring them to life class. We, we help them on to encounter weekend. We, we minister to them. And then we disciple them. Amen? In other words, we raise them up as leaders and we help them to understand what their calling is. What does God want to do in their lives? And then number four, what do we do? We send them out to go do the same thing. Amen? Ephesians 2 verse 20, look what it says. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, in whom the building, being fit together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? The building of God. You and I are the bricks. Can you say amen? And so we've got to realize this morning, if we're going to stay the course, if we're going to fight the good fight, if we're going to finish our race, we need to realize this morning that you and I are called. Say with me this morning, I am called. You have a calling on your life. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, it says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. You you don't just have a calling, you have a holy calling. (laughs) And that word holy actually means specific, accurate, clear. God's not confused about what he wants you to be busy with. Can you say amen? You have a holy calling, not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So I need to recognize I'm called, and then in recognizing I'm called, I need to see what my purpose is. 
If I'm going to finish my, my, if I'm going to fight my fight, if I'm going to finish my course, if I'm going to stay the course, I've got to realize I'm called and I've got to realize that in that calling there is a purpose. Because that's what ignites me. That's what keeps me moving forward. And notice, I can't do that without grace. And we'll look at that just now. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, listen, you need to be convicted of your call. Say convicted. You've got to be convicted in your own spirit about what... Listen, conviction is an integral part of faith. As a matter of fact, the word faith in the Greek is the word pistis. It actually means to have conviction. To, to have a strong belief that God is your salvation. That Jesus is the one that saved you. That Jesus is your everything. And so, you know, conviction is part of your call. You need to be convicted that you're called. In other words, one of the ingredients of faith is becoming convinced by making a quality decision that you believe God's word over everything else. As a matter of fact, in, in, in the old days of me being discipled in leadership and ministry, we were taught this. If the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen. Can we say that together? If the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. How many of you know that takes conviction in your life? Because I promise you there's some things in your life today that don't line up with the word. Just bump the person next to you and say, it must be you. And that means whenever the word comes, conviction comes. And conviction's not a bad thing. Conviction's a good thing. Condemnation is a bad thing. Don't let the word condemn you because God never condemns. That's the work of the enemy. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit will convict you. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I got some serious conviction on my life this week. I was hanging around other men and women of God and, and we were just doing things and, 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 and I, when I saw the way they live, when I saw the way they do certain things, when I saw the level they operate at, I got convicted. And then I got a little bit discouraged. Have any of you ever walked through some discouragement? Because then, how you know, your flesh walks in and then you start thinking, ah, you know, and you feel down and you're like, will I ever get there? No, 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 that's the condemnation trying to step in. You've got to kick that out and say, Lord, if you're convicting me of it, it means you want to do something new. You want me to go up to the next level. And so when I embrace that, what am I doing? I'm running my race. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Say it's a good fight this morning. Come on, say with me, I'm going to get there. All right, so we need to be convicted of my calling, and then in being convicted of my calling, it helps me to start pursuing my purpose. We'll talk about that just now, but I want to show you something about your calling. Isaiah 45 verse 3 is an incredible scripture, and it's so encouraging. Look what the Lord our God says to us. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know, say that I may know, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. Isn't that amazing? God is saying this, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. I'm going to prove to you that I've called you. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness, and I'm going to give you the hidden riches in secret places. 
So you see, when I embrace the call of God on my life, I step into areas of my life where God will start revealing himself, where God will start showing up in my life in ways that I never dreamed possible because he is amazing. Say, God is amazing this morning. All right, now remember, this happens in layers. As you become familiar with his presence, as you pursue God, as you take a step towards him, he takes a big step towards you. Amen? So it happens in layers. It happens in layers and levels in your life. Uh, you know, you might be operating at this level, but then God starts shaking some things. Why? Because he wants to take you to the next level. So look at the person next to you. So I'm going to the next level. Remember, our theme this, this year is the secret place. Psalm 91, let me remind you, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord. Can you see what happens when you go into His presence? When you dwell in the secret place, what happens? It changes your language. It changes your confession. And you start saying, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. Amen. He is my God. In him, I lean and confidently trust. So flowing from that, let's look at our purpose. You see, the word of God is incredible because it's full of purpose. Every time you read the word, you're going to find purpose. But here's what you've got to discover this morning. The purpose you receive from the word is general for the most part. And it only becomes specific when you apply it to your life. That's why the word says you've got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let me give you an example. The message from God about forgiveness. God says you must forgive so that you can be forgiven. The word of God says don't hold anything against anyone but forgive them. How do you know that's general? But when you apply it to your life, it becomes specific because now you've got to decide who is it in my life that I must forgive? You've got to put a name to it. You've got to put a face to it. You've got to put a reality to it where you embrace the word and you say, okay, the word says forgive. Who is it that I need to forgive? Suddenly the word's gone from general to specific. The word's gone from encouraging me to giving me a purpose to say, if I want to move forward with my life in areas, I'm going to need to forgive. Amen? Are you getting some help this morning? So I'm going to fight the good fight. Oh, come on, church, you can do better. So I'm going to fight the good fight. Let's, let me give you two other examples. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. All right, a disciple is a teacher. He's a learner and a teacher. Then to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. How do you know that's a general encouragement to everyone in the body of Christ. How do you make it specific? You've got to say to God, where am I living and who is it that you want me to impact? I don't have to go to all the nations unless God tells me to. I don't have to go to all the nations, but I do have to go to my nation. I do have to go to my neighbor. I do have to go to the people I'm involved with in my circle of influence because those are the people God wants you to impact. And you know what the enemy does? He, he switches that and he says, Yo, one day, you know, when you make it, one day when you've got enough money, one day when you've got enough time, then you're going to go do that. And how you know that is never? 
It'll never be the right time. It'll never be the perfect situation. It'll never be the right moment for you to do it. You've got to just get up and do it. Look at the person next to you and say, just do it. Mark 12, verse 30, another good example. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as your self. There is no other commandment greater than these. So you see, that's a general, a, a general commandment to all of us. How do I make it specific? You see, we, we want to love God by worshiping every day. Put on a worship song, Lord, I worship you. Oh, I love God so much. And God says, yes, what about your neighbor that's not treating you well? Well, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. So you've got to make it personal. How do I love God? I love God by loving others. I love God by treating others with respect. I love God sometimes by just keeping my mouth Just look at the person next to you and just go. Just do this. And you're not putting lipstick on, all right? You see, when you're convinced of your calling, you start to step into your purpose because you take God's word personally. You take it seriously. You say, okay, this is what God's saying. How do I apply it to my life for today? And how you know, that's a, that's a stretch for all of us. We've got to develop our faith. And I want to encourage you today that as a leader of leaders, as a, as a person in the kingdom of God, God has purpose for you. God has things for you. And I know it's a struggle sometimes because we feel inadequate. How many of you know sometimes we feel inadequate? We feel like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to align my calling and my purpose? Because is it really worth the effort? And we want to just throw up our hands sometimes and give up. Or we start saying, you know, if I had more talent or if I had more money or if I had more time or if I was better looking or if I was thinner or if I was bigger or if this didn't happen or if that didn't happen. And what happens is we, we, we disqualify ourselves through our inadequacies. And I want to encourage you today. God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly where you're going through and yet he still calls you by name. He still has a purpose for your life, amen? And in spite of all of that, he wants you to stay the course. He wants you to run your race. Can you say amen? So I'm gonna run my race. Because you see, God called you by name. People didn't call you. People don't determine your purpose. People can't stop God's plan for your life. God equipped you, God anointed you, and God will watch over you. But you've gotta step up and you've gotta step in and realize this morning, that you have been called and you have been destined for this time. Can you say amen? You are not alive by accident at this time in this world. God has got a plan for your life. Can you say amen this morning? And here's the beautiful thing. When you embrace that, you become God's responsibility. And he will take care of you, amen? He will provide for you. He will give you wisdom for every day. You've just got to learn how to tap into it. So stop thinking about all you don't have. Stop thinking what you can't do and start realizing today whatever you need this morning to start is in your hands. Begin the journey. Can, I, can you say amen to me? Can you say amen to me? Okay, good. Thank you. Encourage me a little bit. Now here's what you can do. And I want to just encourage you this morning. The Lord gave me these three scriptures. Well, one of them he gave me in 2008. So I don't know how many years ago, but it's quite a lot. 
And that word has stood me in good stead no matter what battle I've been fighting. No matter what, no matter what challenge we go through in our lives, in our ministry, that scripture is there as a solid rock, as a firm foundation that I can apply as a promise, that I can speak from my mouth because it's a word God gave me for my life and it's a word he's given you for your life because you're in the church today. Can you say amen? And so I want to give these to you because I want you to know if you're going to run your race, if you're going to stay the course, if you're going to fight the good fight, these are three things that you're going to need to remember because they are very helpful. I'm going to give them to you and then we'll try and spend a few minutes on each of them this morning. The first one is trust. If you're going to stay the course, if you're going to fight the good fight, you've got to learn to trust God with everything. Amen? Say, I'm going to trust God. Number two, you're going to have to develop your patience. Patience, say patience. And number three, you're going to need humility. Say humility. I know some of us stutter when we try and say that word, but it's a very powerful word. Say humility. All right, let's dig into the first one for a few minutes. And this is the first scripture that God gave me. He gave me the scripture at the beginning of 2020. And he said, Larry, you're going to have to trust me. I want you, I don't know how many times this verse has come back not to haunt me, you know, because that doesn't sound nice, but, but in a good way to just say, Larry, didn't I say you're going to have to? Trust me. Say, trust me. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with? Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways. How you know the, the right of Proverbs is trying to get a point over? It's going to take all of you. <laughs> Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and what? He shall direct your path. Stay the course. Amen. How do I stay the course? I've got to trust God. All right. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now this word trust in the Hebrew means the following. A complete reliance and confidence in God as the one who is true, powerful, sovereign, and therefore the only one that can help you live a fruitful and successful life. Look at the person next to you. Say trust. What does trust mean? A complete reliance and confidence in God as the one who is true, powerful, sovereign, and therefore the only one who is able to help you live a fruitful and successful life. I know that's a mouthful, but that is the reality of what it means to trust God. Trust God, trusting God goes beyond faith in this sense. they like two sides of the same coin, but trust goes beyond faith because faith is sometimes trusting God for something. Trust goes beyond that and it believes even when you cannot see or think or feel like God's doing anything. Amen? In other words, instead of getting better, things get worse. But you trust God. Can anyone relate? Instead of seeing the breakthrough you're believing for by faith, things get more terrible and there's like more doubt and more fear coming and it feels like more is falling apart. What do you do? You trust God. Why? Because He is 
true, powerful, and sovereign. We don't like that word sovereign in faith movements. Like, no, 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 we can tell God what to do by our faith. No, no, you can't tell God what to do. He's God. And sometimes God's sovereignty will overrule your faith and bring you to the place where you trust him. Jesus went by faith into the garden and said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, your will. What was he doing? Lord, I would love to get this done some other way. But I'm trusting you. You know better. You're the only one who is true, powerful, and sovereign and knows how to get me through this successfully. Bump the person next to you. Say, are you trusting God this morning? That means it becomes my daily practice to cling to, confide in, and believe that Jesus is the one that guides and protects me. And how many of you know in this world we live in today, and this is speaking to me today, we want to be in control. We, we want to, you know, we'll trust God, but we, we want to have our hands on some of the aspects of that. But trust means I let go of everything and I say, God, I, d- I don't understand, but I trust you. I can't see clearly, but I trust you. Lord, I feel like I'm falling apart, but I'm going to trust you. So I'm going to trust you. All right, now, okay, let me not get ahead of myself because we'll get to that one in a little bit of time, hopefully. It's well clarified then that it tells us to rest completely and rely wholly on the one who is able. While trust includes faith, it is more than faith because trust includes grace and mercy. Trust includes grace and mercy. Grace is the ability to do what you can't do. Mercy stops you from getting what you do deserve. And we need both of those aspects if we're going to trust God. Can you say amen? Let me say it again. Grace gives you what you can't earn and deserve. Mercy stops you getting from what you do earn and do deserve. How many know we need God's grace and mercy in our lives? (laughs) For us to move forward. All right. So he says, listen, when I start trusting him, what will happen? When I start trusting him and I lean not to my own, there's the catch, guys. Oh, I struggle with that so much. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. Oh, that is so tough. Because how many of you know we all want to trust but lean on our own understanding? Let me try and figure it out, then I'll know. Let me just try and do this and then let me help you, Lord, do this because I really know how to do this. No, 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 no. Lean not. Then he says, listen, if I lean not, what will happen? He will direct. He will direct my path. He will direct me that I stay the course, that I stay where I need to be. Now it gets so interesting because listen to this word direct, what it means. This word direct in the Hebrew means this. He will make my path straight. Listen, he will level the road by removing any obstacles out of the way. Under God's protection, he'll make me to prosper and be successful despite me or in spite of me. This word direct means this, that he will serve as my God 
stopping me from deviating from other vices, doing things in my own strength, and following destructive ways because I know that I am most fulfilled when I rely on him. That's what the word direct means. (laughs) He'll remove the obstacles. He'll make my feet stay on his path. Can you say amen? Why? Because I'm trusting him. And I want you to know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a power that's released. There's a peace that is released when you trust God. Can you say amen? Bump the person next to you say, this is good preaching this morning. All right, patience. I know you're hoping I wouldn't get to this one this morning, but there we are. Patience. If you're going to fight the good fight, if you're going to finish strong, you're going to need some Patience. Patience. Now, James 1, verse 1 to 8. Let's just read this quickly. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, say knowing. So again, I've got to be convicted. Why? That I'm trusting God. I know, I know that I can count it joy. Why? Because when you fall into various trials, the testing of your faith produces patience. But let, say but let, patience have its perfect work that you may be complete, perfect, lacking nothing. Say lacking nothing. Say it like this, needing nothing. Patience will bring you to the place where you need nothing. (laughs) You still have needs, but you need nothing. (laughs) How many of you have been praying, God, use me? God, strengthen me. God, do something in my life. Anyone been praying that lately? And you know what happens when you pray that prayer? God sends some storms. Yeah? It's like going to the gym. Why do you go to the gym? Let me try this out. Why do you go to gym? To get fit. To stretch your muscles, to get stronger. But some of you go to gym. You don't go to gym to get stronger. You go to gym to dress up. Oh, pastor. Yeah, I think, yes. This, this group here, you're very quiet. You must be the gym bunnies. Get up in the morning. I'm going to gym. Let me just blow dry my hair. You're going to go sweat. What do you want to blow dry your hair for? Oh, let me put on my lipstick. Oh, pastor, I'm going to gym. Don't you guys laugh. You're the same. I'm going to gym. And then we go to gym and we stand in the corner and we talk with our buddies for an hour. And then we take our towel and we put it over our face so when we get home it looks like we've been sweating. In the meantime, we pick up the little one kilogram weight and we're like, listen, that's not going to strengthen your muscles. You need to pick up the 10 kilogram. And you need to work that thing till it's Aina. Can you say me? Say Aina. All right, it's no different spiritually. What he's saying, if you want to be strong, if you want to fight the good fight of faith, if you want to finish your course, you're going to have to go through some trials. And when you're going through those trials, you're going to have to exercise your patience. 
Now, let me quickly, because my time is... Don't use that word. We're trusting the Lord. And we'll not lean on our own understanding this morning. Amen. Patience is the ability to remain cheerful, though being tested. Uh. It's a cheerful endurance that keeps a consistent attitude and actively resists fatigue, weariness, and aggravation. Deliberately applying the fruit of joy, having a hope that God is on my side and that he's able to finish what he started. Patience. Patience isn't waiting a little longer. Patience is being consistent while you wait. Patience is one of the most powerful fruits of the Spirit. It's a New Testament characteristic that supports my ability to trust God. So I'm going to fight the good fight. What is it? It's a good fight of faith. And if your faith is going to be strong, you're going to have to develop the fruit of patience. All right, the last one. Oh, I don't know. Let me just introduce it, and I don't know if I'll get further than that this morning. We'll pick it up next week. But I want you to know you need to be humble. If you're going to run your race, if you're going to stay the course, you're going to have to develop humility in your life. Amen? And humility is a, oh, that's a big word in today's society because there are not so many people that are humble. My brother-in-law's been doing a series in his church on pride. And I love what he said to us this other day we were fellowshipping with him. He said, pride is like a beard. It just keeps growing. And so if you don't want to grow, guess what you've got to do? You've got to shave it. Just look at the person next to you and say, I'm going to shave my pride. And how do you shave your pride? You build humility. All right? Now I'm just going to give you the, I'm just going to give you the definition, then we'll pick this up the next time we're together. You know the word humility actually means an apron. It's a picture that the slaves and the servants in the olden days, when it spoke about humility, it speaks about an apron that they would take. Don't worry about the title, okay? Don't focus on that. Poikikos champion 2011. Anyway, you see you've got to keep shaving your pride. Why did I bring this one? <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> okay, it's an apron, listen. And they would put the apron on over their clean garment so that when they went to work and serve, all the muck wouldn't get on them, it would get on the apron. Humility is what you need to be clothed in, 1 Peter 5. It says put on the garment of humility. Because what does humility do? Humility helps you to take all the rubbish from people and the, the things you think you don't deserve and it helps absorb it so it doesn't get on your nice clothes. I'm not much of a cook and you can see I haven't used this in the kitchen, thank goodness. I use it in my garage. <laughs> Mandy doesn't allow me in the kitchen because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. 
But humility, the Bible says we need to put it on every single day. Humility. And we'll see, we'll talk about it in, uh, in a couple of weeks when we get to it. But humility cannot happen in your life if you're not in submission. Just bump the person next to you, say submission. The word submission means to be under a mission. Sub, under, a mission. Whose mission are you under? If you're in this church, you're under our mission. Come on, smile, say, we love the pastor. And here's the good news about submission. Submission only comes into play when you disagree with someone. Oh, say, pastor, don't go there this morning. Listen, I've been having a lot of this later. Pastor, we love you. Oh, we love what the church is doing. And then I hear via the grapevine that you told someone else you don't think they know what they're doing. (laughs) But the person next to say, it must be you. (laughs) You voice your dissatisfaction to everyone else except the person you're supposed to submit to. Listen, submission... I've had to work through this in my own life. Listen, I serve an organization. I'm the general secretary. I know it's a lovely title, but it just means you run around and do everything. (laughs) With power. You've got power, but you run around and do everything with power. And so we're changing some things in the organization up there. And I don't agree with everything. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I wouldn't do it like that. So what do I do? Because now we'll find out if I'm submitted to the mission. Because I'm not the leader. Pastor Bert's the chairman. And if he says this is what we're doing, guess what? Look at the person next to you say, that's what we're doing. <laughs> now listen, if there's, if there's respect and there is, and if there's agreement and there is, then how many of you get to voice that in the right platform with the right people? Amen. It's not a, it's not a, dic, a dictatorial thing. Submission is always interactive. Amen. But when it comes to it, I prove my submission, which is the key to humility, by staying in submission to the mission. Okay, I'm going to stop there. While you still love me. And so, thanks, my love. So here's the thing this morning, guys, as we close. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, submit to one another. All right, so we'll, we'll talk about the layers of submission. I'm only hitting into one area because I don't have time this morning. And then it says that through that submission, we're able to develop humility. And listen, humility is the power that releases the grace of God into my life. Because the Bible says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So you see, if if the grace of God is not flowing in my life the way it should be, the first thing I should do is take a step back and say, am I operating in humility or pride? Because the grace flows when I'm in humility. And to have humility, I've got to be in submission. And to be in submission, I've got to find myself in agreement to what it is I need to be doing. Why? Because I'm called and I have a purpose. And at the end of the day, it's not about things and people and this and that and what and when and how. It's about 
running the race. It's about fighting the good fight of faith. It's about winning the lost, amen? It's about giving people an experience where they are attracted to Christ so that their lives can be impacted. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I hope you got some help this morning. I hope you got encouraged this morning by the word. And so while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then I want you to know this is your opportunity. I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning from Romans chapter 10. It says this, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart you will be saved. So on the count of three, if you've never made that decision, even if you're sitting there at home in your own lounge or wherever you are and you want to respond today, it would be our greatest privilege to lead you in this powerful prayer. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, on the count of three, if that's you this morning, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, you want to receive Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, I would love to pray with you. One, Two, three, would you raise your hand and say, that's me today, Pastor. Would you include me in that prayer before I leave today? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If you're watching online, I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. Let's pray that prayer out loud together. If you're online, if you'd just be sincere and genuine in your heart, God will do a work in you today. Let's pray together. Say, Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sin, that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I believe it with my heart. I confess it with my mouth. And I thank you today that I am born again and I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.